Hey there, and welcome to our very first guest episode of season 17 of the Food Biz Wiz podcast. In today's show, we're taking you behind the scenes of the wholesale buyer perspective as they walk the trade show floor and assess your products from the other side of the aisle. I'm joined by guest Joyce Attar, who is the director of operations and a member of the family that owns and operates World Foods in Portland, Barber World Foods, and Yahala Restaurant in all in Portland, Oregon. So Joyce and I are going to talk through the best strategies that brands can use as you prep for a trade show, as you build your displays, as you connect with buyers over your booth or your tabletop, plus how to continue the connection and the sales long after the show is over. We are doing this episode a few weeks in advance of the Good Food Mercantile in Portland, where Joyce is going to be in attendance, and the lessons today will get you fully prepared for the upcoming show. If you're not attending the Mercantile, no worries. These lessons apply to any trade event that you've got on the books for the year ahead. So let's get right into it. I'm Allie Ball, former grocery buyer and retail store manager turned wholesale consultant. In my role on the retail floor, I saw delicious, values-driven brands fail on our shelves simply because they didn't understand the behind the scenes of wholesale. I created the Food Biz Wiz podcast to give you hard-to-access insight from my career in the food industry and the tools and strategies to help you succeed on retail shelves. If you're a committed food founder who's looking to create and grow a packaged products business that positively impacts our food system, puts wealth back into your own hands, and employs members of your local community, you have found the right podcast. Let's do this. Before we get further in the episode, I've got a free resource that builds on today's show. It's the mini version of my reorder checklist. We all know it's one thing to land on a new retail shelf, and it's a whole other thing to make sure you're selling through once you're there. In my mini reorder checklist, you'll learn the key ways to onboard a new retailer so that you're much, much more likely to get those reorders coming in fast. Grab the Cliff Notes version of our reorder checklist in our show notes, or if you're a retail-ready student who's listening, find our long-form version and our training directly on our course platform. Hi, Joyce. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Allie. Thanks for having me. I am really excited for our conversation. I feel like it's really rare for our listeners to get the experience of someone on the other side, so someone who's making uh, decisions both at the retail level, at the restaurant level. So uh, thank you so much for connecting with me and, and giving your time to the podcast. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Okay. So before we dive in, let's just make sure our listeners understand who you are, Joyce, and what role you play in the food industry. So I know you were born and raised in Portland. You actually come from a family of entrepreneurs who immigrated from Lebanon, and they came and opened a small market focused on accessing hard-to-find international foods. Joyce, what, what year was that that your family opened World Foods? So um, it actually, it started with a, with a restaurant, um, a tiny mm. market in the restaurant in the late 90s. Um, okay. At the time, you know, it was very much uh, American dream kind of thing. How do they get us through college? But also Portland was a little bit of a food desert. So they introduced some grocery uh, into that space, figured they were onto something and then took a, a, a leap and, and kind of expanded starting in uh, 2004. 
Okay. Expanded in 2004. And then you came on about 10 years later, right in 2014. And you worked alongside your family to to grow the brand. Yep. I decided that, you know, I had a lot of respect for what they were doing and I wanted to be a part of it and uh, be a member of the team. So joined 10 years later, we opened our second location and um, yeah, still, still going at it today. Congratulations. So now today it's two, two markets and a restaurant. Yeah. Wow. And what is your, what's your official title and what do you do in your day to day? Yeah. So an official title, it's funny because when we started working together, HR told us that we didn't have titles. So um, (laughs) we threw some things at the wall. So technically I'm the director of operations. Okay. Um, I oversee, I oversee the company. I, um, you know, I work with the managers. I work closely with the buyers and, um, just really just exist to support the team so that they could do their best work. That's a big role. Yeah. <laughs> You're a busy, it's a fun busy, role. It's a fun, busy, role. busy it's, lady. <laughs> yeah. It's fun to watch a lot of people, uh, super talented around me, um, do, do what they do best. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have so much respect for people who work in, who work in retail at, you know, at any level in retail. So yep. much respect for them, particularly over the past three years and all of the challenges that we've we've seen come with retail and, and restaurants. So absolutely. Okay. So we are gonna talk a little bit about trade show experience and what you look for as you walk walk the floor. But first I want to say, Joyce, we were connected through the Good Food Foundation. Yeah. And I a foundation who I Love so much. I've had a lot of experience working with them behind the scenes. And Joyce, are you a member of their Merchants Guild or how are you connected with the Good Food Foundation? So, yeah, we are a member of the collaborative, um, Mm. actually. And um, we've been a member for many years now. Um, So we're part of kind of the smaller group of retailers that that kind of, you know, gets together and, and helps kind of move things forward and work closely with Sarah um, yeah. I always think that, you know, as we, as we talk to our really young brands, really like value oriented brands inside of retail ready, and they're looking for lists of retailers to pitch to I'm like, Oh, go to the collaborative, go to the, you know, the page yeah. on the website, we can put it in our show notes, but that's always, for me, it's always a group of, of buyers who are more open to, um, Gosh, I don't even want to say younger brands because it's not necessarily younger, but more open to values aligned brands who are totally. doing things the right way in the US. Totally. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's that's kind of what the good food, that's why we align really well with the good food because it, it's it's brands aligning, it's values aligning, and um, and then that translates to the makers and the young brands as well. Yeah. Okay. So pre-pandemic the Good Food Foundation decided that they were going to launch something that they tagged as the unfancy food show, mm-hmm. that it was going to be a smaller version of the trade show, that it was going to be um, different than the experience that most of us have, have had. Gosh, I just got back from Expo West, that experience yeah. of being with you know, 50,000 people at yeah. a convention center. And for our listeners who haven't been to a mercantile before, Joyce, can you talk about what makes it what makes it special from the point of view of, of the retailer? Yeah. So it's actually one of my favorite shows to attend. It's the one show that I try not to miss every year. But, um, you know, it focuses on smaller makers or maybe um, 
somebody that's early on in the business. Uh, it allows it's it's a show where as a buyer you really can talk to everyone. You're not feeling like you know you're in a swarm of people like Fancy Food or Expo West. Um, it's also it, you know like we talked about values. It's extremely uh, it's highly curated. There's a Good Food Foundation has a high set of standards, and the products often align with those standards and align with our brand. So um, it's a uh, yeah, like I said it's one of my favorite shows. Yeah. As you describe it, Joyce, I I see it almost as if the Good Food Foundation has curated and has filtered the the brands who are displaying there. So by the time you walk onto the trade show floor, you already know that they already check off the boxes of sustainable, delicious, values aligned. Exactly. Okay. It's it's like someone said make me a food show that's the best of the best and and I will be there. And it's like you walk in and you just kind of know that you're going to have a good time. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I love attending the mercantile as well. It feels like a big reunion of, of some yeah. of my favorite, favorite makers. And I actually think, and I don't know, Joyce, if you know this, you probably know better than I do. The Portland one, is this the first time that they're coming to Portland? No, actually, um, this is the first time the Good Food Awards will be in Portland, but yes, um, yes. it's been to Portland uh, a few times. And that's super fun because we get to take, you know, a wide um, a, a members of our team that are buyers or have some sort of buying capacity. And it, it turns into, like you said, a reunion. So yeah. um, happy to have it back here. Yeah. I, I, as you say that, I remember they did it last year in, in Portland as well in the springtime. Yeah. Um, so first year that the awards are going to be there. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the experience on the actual trade show floor. And for our listeners who aren't attending the mercantile, I'm going to say a lot of these things that we're talking about are going to be applicable to you if you are displaying at any other trade show event this year. So, so really thinking about... Even if you're not attending the mercantile, there is value for you here. So Joyce, tell us from the buyer's perspective, how do you prepare ahead of time for for a trade show? Do you have any strategy? Like, what do you think about before you actually show up on the floor the day of the show? Yeah. So the good food, the good food mercantile special because everything in there is great. And, you know, you could walk the whole show and still have time to chat. But typically, you know, we identify gaps in our business, gaps in um, specifically the grocery side where we really want to focus for the year, trends that are coming up, certain categories we want to expand um, and have kind of a big picture idea. But we really do go, go in there with an open mind. And like specifically the good food mercantile, since it's a, you know, like I said, relatively small show, um, we kind of just, you know, walk in ready to meet people and, and hear some stories. And that's, that's kind of our strategy. Yeah. Okay. So looking at the business as a whole, and let me just make up an example here. Let's say Joyce, you are looking at your refrigerated beverage set and you're like, you know, flavored sparkling water has done really well for the past couple of years, but we are missing a smaller brand doing flavored water or we're missing, I don't know, we're missing something in the flavored water set. Uh, Let's go into the show specifically prioritizing beverages, right? Is that, am I interpreting that correctly? Yeah. We we look like to use that example, we look at that set and go this, you know, the set's doing extremely well. What is it missing or how can we expand it? Maybe it's, um, maybe it's a price point, maybe it's a brand, maybe it's 
something, but, you know, we focus both on what's, what's doing well and then where we could, you know, add more, uh, expand a category more for our mm. customers. Right. Okay. So, so what's doing well and how can we do more of that? And maybe, um, where are the holes, right? Where are the holes yes. in the category and how can we fill those gaps? Great. Yeah. Okay. And then I heard that you also said that there's room for discovery and surprise. Absolutely. That you might be walking down an aisle or at the the mercantile, just you know, around the loop, and something catches your eye that you didn't even expect. Exactly. Yeah, the show. That's cool. the best part. I mean, our whole business was was built on finding new and interesting products and kind of taking risks. So we don't, you know, being a small business and family business, we get to do whatever we want. We make we say all the time. And so, you know, even if something doesn't quote unquote make sense. Yeah. to the big picture, the plan or the strategy, like that's the discovery piece. That's what we look for. Mm. I think that that's so important for, for emerging brands to recognize that these independent retailers have more, often have more flexibility than yes. the Kroger's or Safeways or, you know, even like a, a new seasons of the world, yeah. as you get bigger and bigger, it can be more challenging to have that flexibility. Yeah, absolutely. So independent retailers can often be such a better fit at the beginning of a, a brand's business development. Yeah, totally. Okay. So paint me this picture, Joyce, you're walking the floor of the trade show and you know, the mercantile is cool because it's, you know, 150 tables or so, you know, I'm going to say under 200 fancy food. We're talking thousands expo. We're talking tens of thousands what makes you stop at certain booths or certain tabletops, but not not others? Like if we are looking at this busy, busy environment, what what makes you stop? Yeah. So um, the brands that really capture our attention have a special niche or align with our business model. So um, an example is, you know, a brand that has a certain international appeal or... Um, a brand that's super unique to the market. So an example, you know, from several years ago is walking, looking for something new, discovering at actually the Good Food Mercantile. And that's where I met, you know, the burlap and barrel guys. And, you know, we have a, a lot of international spices at our store, yeah. but they were doing something a little bit different. And so that kind of captured our attention. And then from there, it's, you know, we stay locked in and and having the conversation if there's a really good story behind it or a genuine story, I should say. Mm understanding why someone is doing what they're doing and feeling that passion for their brand is um, another thing that, you know, captures our attention and keeps us invested in, in that conversation to see where it goes. Um, And then we also look for categories that aren't overly saturated. Unfortunately, there are certain categories that, you know, you could have so much kombucha and it does super well, but what is that niche with this specific brand that's going to, you know, make me stop and have a, a little bit of a longer conversation. Yeah. And I wonder even, you know, thinking about burlap and barrel, right? I'm I'm trying to think about this memory of what did their booth or their tabletop setup look like? And Joyce, I don't know if you can remember this, like, was there something that visually stood out? Or was it literally like one of, you know, one of the guys calling you in and saying hi from afar, like, you know, in that crowded environment, is it that combination of visual, verbal, you know, signage? Like 
Yeah. Can you remember what caught your eye? Yeah, I, I actually do remember the the booth was in, in my memory at least um, yeah. <laughs> was relatively simple. I mean, it you know you see these big flashy expensive booths at shows and they they not, are not necessarily always the most important thing. The product was front and center. The owners were present. And the owners could speak to why they're doing what they're doing. So just seeing that the product and the spices lined up, catching my eye, um, seeing, you know, the names of the spices lined up. So really it was a focus on the product and they'll have to forgive me if they're listening and they had a big flashy (laughs) booth, but what what stuck (laughs) in my head was, uh, was the product was just seeing that there and seeing them there. Yeah. Well, Joyce, I think this is such a great lesson that it doesn't actually, hmm, you know, if they had a big banner, if they had a big call out or something, you know, if, if one of them was like literally, you know, out front with, you know, a little, little megaphone calling over buyers, that's not what you remember. What you remember is the product. And so that's, that's what's important. I imagine I can picture, you know, the beautiful glass bottles, the colorful spices, that that visual appeal um, on the tabletop and, and realizing that it doesn't have to be overly complicated. If you've got a great product, if you are an articulate, passionate founder on the other side of the table, that's, that's getting you 90% of the way there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I want to talk a little bit about mistakes and I don't want us to go down the rabbit hole of just, you know, don't do this, don't do this, you know, stop doing this. But, but Joyce, I know that there are things that brands just don't know about our industry. They don't know about the buyer perspective. Can, is there anything, one thing that brands do that we should caution them against at a trade show? Yeah. Um, so first and foremost, uh, I think it's important that a brand understands their customer, especially when they are still small and growing and kind of developing that retail base. Uh, oftentimes I, you know, I get sold on a product that we already sell in our stores mm-hmm. and, um, that, you know, that is a little bit, that makes me feel like right, wrong, or different. Maybe they're a little bit disconnected from their end customer, which is our customer as well. So really understanding where your product is, understanding the city you're in and um, being ready to speak to your grocery customers is very important. Yeah. So Joyce, in that, can I ask you about that example? Like, are you literally saying uh, it is a brand that you literally the brand you already carry on the shelf? Yes. Yeah. And, and the, Maybe it's a sales rep who doesn't know, you know, where they are everywhere. Maybe it's a founder who doesn't know where the sales rep rep place them or whatever. There's that disconnect. So they're pitching to you. And in the back of your mind, you're like, "Mm -hmm, yeah, we already, we already carry you. Exactly. It's a waste of everybody's time. Yeah, exactly. And it it feels like, you know, a little bit, there's a level of, you know, disconnection. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting that you say that Joyce, because at some point, the goal is for the brand to grow to a place where the founder likely doesn't know all of the accounts that they're in. You know, I Correct. think about our our brands who work with distributors. You know, once you start working with a distributor, you might not know all the stores that you're in. But so the takeaway here that I'm having, Joyce, is is for the for the brands to do their homework to look at that that attendee list, right? For the mercantile, they publish 
the attendees in advance, look at that attendee list and know whether or not the brand has their product on your shelves. Yeah. Or, right. or ask or ask the question, um, mm. ha- have that kind of conversation yeah. up front. So yeah. it's not, you know, awkward for everyone. Yeah, totally. Okay. So I like that too. You're, the takeaway is just be transparent. You know, you could be like, we work with a distributor and I'm actually not sure whether or not we're on your yeah. shelves. Are we? And you know, if we are, how can we further support you? <laughs> yeah. How's it going? And then How's those conversations are, are super yeah. fun too. Cause then you get to, you know, start talking about next steps and, you know. Cool. Cool. I interrupted you. You said you had a second mistake as well. Um, I think hard selling is, is I would, it may work for some, Mm -hmm. um, definitely not. I would call, I would call it a, um, mistake necessarily, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, one of the best ways in my opinion to kind of discover a brand is when they're being genuine to who they are and talking about their product and leaving us with an impression that, you know, we want to learn more, we want to connect later, but the hard sells I would say are, um, are challenging. Yeah. Yeah. That's just not how you want to be approached. Yeah. Yeah. This is, um, it can be so challenging to be on the vendor side, on the maker side, where you hear some people who are like, don't hard sell to me. And then others. And I think about like bigger buyers who are like, if you don't have a hard sales pitch, yeah, I, you're wasting my time. And so I think Joyce here, it's, it's about, it goes back to your point of knowing your audience and knowing, you know, the audience of the, of the trade show, you know, your pitch might be different at Expo West than it is at the good food mercantile. Right. Exactly. Mm. Okay. Great. Those are two really, really good mistakes to avoid. I've got a couple other questions for you. Yeah. Joyce, what are some things besides taste, because everybody says taste, what are some things besides taste that makes you say yes to a new product line or frankly, to say no to, to others? Oh, this is a fun one. So, um, first for me, it's ingredients. The first thing I do, if I'm interested in a product is I pick it up, I turn it around and I look at what's in it. And, um, our customers are smart. They know what they want. And we want to make sure that the product is clean, but also that the ingredients that are in there um, are necessary and they're true to, you know, true to that, that product or that composition. Um, so that's a big one. Yep. And that's probably why the mercantile is so, so great for you too, because there is a vetting of, of sourcing ahead of time for the most yep. part. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Uh, packaging is huge, right? Mm-hmm. Before anyone can taste anything, the package will catch your eye, and um, it, not only at the show but on the shelf. So, yeah. really, um, aesthetically, from a, a consumer, but also from a from a buyer, you know, does it make sense? Is it too big? Is it too small? How how is it going to fit? Uh, is it going to fall over? So, just not you know, not just is the label pretty, which is very important, but also how does the package function um, on the shelf as well. Yeah. Joyce, we had this um, vinegar at Byright long, long time ago. This is probably 12 or 13 years ago. And it was in a tall, skinny bottle. 
And for two, it didn't work on our shelves for two reasons. One, the bottle was just too tall. It like literally didn't fit, you know, in, in my Metro shelving in the, the shelf where I wanted it to go. So we would put it on the top shelf and you know what I'm about to say, like it was tall and wobbly and we just had so much breakage of it falling off the shelf and creating these, you know, very uh, challenging spills in our tight little aisle. And sure enough, I discontinued it because the packaging just didn't didn't work, didn't work. for our shelves. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so packaging that is eye catching yet fits in the category, physically fits in the category. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, price is also important, and and when a when a vendor's at the show, they have kind of all this information somewhat, you know, packaged up or or ready to go, but, uh, you know, how is it priced compared to its competitors? And then if it is at a higher price point, you know, what strategy does the maker have to educate the customer on, on why? So are they ready to support that, that price point? Um, uh, I, I, I feel like for, for the good food community, a lot of those vendors have the challenge of, of being at the higher end of their category, right? Yes. There's there's a price tag that comes with responsible production. Totally. Responsible and that's sourcing. our job, you know, to yeah. educate customers. Okay. And, um, so you want to so, hear, you want to hear that the vendor has a plan for how they are going to educate the consumer on the the value proposition that comes with the that higher price tag. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yes. Great. Great. Yeah. Um, and then this is, you know, this is important, but not always a, a kind of a make or break, but distribution. So, you know, how are we going to get your product? If Are you working with a distributor? Is it going to be shipped directly? How does that affect the price? Sometimes the price is appropriate for what it is, but we're tacking on, you know, another dollar to, to the unit for shipping. Is the shipping is it, is it coming with, you know, styrofoam and cold packs and bubble wrap? Um, so, you know, how are we going to get that product and what does that mean for the end, end price? Yeah. And Joyce, what I heard you say there too, is that it broker, distributor, direct, one isn't necessarily better than the other. It just has to make sense from a logistics and pricing point of view. Yes, hmm. absolutely. Great. Great. Okay. So we've met you at the show. You're all interested in our product. You know, we're, we're doing like a handshake deal over the tabletop. We go home. I want to set some expectations here and and think about what happens after the show. So first off choice, how long does it take for you to get home from the show a show, right? Like the mercantile is in Portland. You live in Portland. So your, your travel time isn't so much, but how long does it take for you to get home from the show, catch up on things and bring in new products that you saw at the show that you were super interested in? So being kind of an independent market, we're super flexible. We don't have these hard dates or periods in the year where we bring product in. So usually, you know, we start getting the ball rolling within a week. And what that means is, you know, we want to have the conversation. We want to, while things are still fresh, establish a plan. Um, that may mean the product comes in in the summer, but at least we're starting to talk about, okay, when is when is the right time of year to introduce this and um, coming up with a, a plan together. Yeah. 
Right. Okay. So it might not be that you're placing your first order one week later, but at least Joyce, you're like, okay, this is a new ice cream brand that we're going to bring in. It's got to hit our shelves by June, or this is a new hot chocolate. We're going to bring it in October one, right? That you just have that, that plan in place, regardless of, of when you meet them. And when, when you initially start that conversation. Yeah. And we also have the flexibility to help these makers, you know, to onboard them in a, in a more patient way or in a way that maybe may take a little bit more time. You know, if, do they have kind of all the information they need to be on a retail shelf? Most do most, most are kind of more plug and play, but we have that flexibility. So there's a lot of back and forth sometimes, you know, getting, getting some information and getting everything right in our system. Yeah. This is what I love about independent markets and members of the, the good food. Um, gosh, uh, I'm blanking on the word. Um, I keep wanting to call you a cohort. <laughs> yeah, collaborative. Yeah, yeah. Right? Thank you. The good food collaborative that you guys are willing to work with smaller makers and you're willing to have that back and forth conversation about what, what it's going to take for it to be a successful relationship. Absolutely. So I've got two questions left for you, Joyce. First off, how do you want brands to follow up with you after the show? So I love email. I, you know, we get, we get people popping in, we get phone calls, but I think that's the way to you know, get somebody the information and they can kind of get, put it on their list and, um, and kind of go from there. Yeah. Okay. So you've met them on the show. They've already given you their sales pitch. You're already excited about the product line. So in your inbox, you want to see, I imagine a copy of the sell sheet, a copy of their price list, maybe a little bullet, a few bullet points about their brand and all of that in one, one tidy email after the show. Yeah. And I find that, you know, oftentimes if, if brands can really address the distribution piece in an email that also reduces a lot of back and forth. So um, I would say, you know, speaking to what information is in that email, understanding distribution and what that's going to do um, to the logistics and the price is is important. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Joyce, I'm so happy that you said that because one of our one of the things we talk about a lot in Retail Ready is this idea that reduce the number of back and forths with the buyer, yeah. right? And so the, that buyer doesn't frankly, have time for that vendor to say, oh, hmm, let me calculate the shipping if we're doing one case versus four cases. Let me tell you, let me go and calculate if I can do guaranteed sales. Let me go like figure this out. Joyce, I hear you say, you just want that all in the first email. Yeah. Ideally, ideally. Ideally, yeah. Talk to me about what it's going to cost. Talk to me about how you're going to get it there. When, um, you know, what, you know, promotion, what, 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 tell me, Tell me everything you can tell me and then um, we'll keep going from there. Yeah, exactly. Make me trust that this is going to be easy and that it's going to work. Okay, so it's a yes. You place your first order. Joyce, I've got one last big question for you. I feel like we could do a whole other podcast episode on this. (laughs) But once brands land on your shelves, how do they how do they sell? How do they sell off? How do they find success once they're actually on the shelf? So one of the biggest mistakes of, I think, a brand that doesn't have maybe a lot of brand recognition or doesn't understand the market super well, where their new placement is, is sending in their first order and then just walking away. Um, Once you're on the shelf, you've done 
the, you've done so much. You've done the hardest part. We've moved product over for you. We've, we've given you that spot. Now it's your job to help us sell it. And that for, you know, that could mean a number of different things. It means different things for larger, larger grocery chains than it does for us. Um, for us, it's, you know, are you committed to demos? Are you showing up for the demos? Um, what is your social media strategy? Are you going to engage um, engage with us on social? How are you letting your your customers know where to find the product? Um, we like to take on brands that maybe no other market has, which is it's it's cool, but it's also a risk. And so, when when you hit our shelves, wh- how is how is that product going to sell? And how are you going to help us sell it amongst all the other products that are similar to it in its category? Yeah. Joyce, we have something and I'll actually just link it up here in the show notes. We have a download that's called the reorder checklist, and it is 10 steps that you can take with every new account that you onboard. And it's exactly what you're talking about. Coordinating the demos, educating staff, sending samples, doing your social media posts, creating that follow-up schedule. I think um, I'm so glad that you're highlighting that it's, it's one thing to get your product on the shelf. And then it's a whole other thing to take responsibility for selling off the shelf. Absolutely. And then we get excited, right? You know, our, our, we have some brands that come in and they, um, they buy their product off of our shelves and then give it to the staff. So now our staff is, they've not only, you know, and these are, you know, you may not have the budget to do this, but we've, you've not only created movement on our shelves and you've, you know, We've we've gotten some sales out of it, but now our staff is you know drinking or eating the product, and they're they're ready to talk about it, and so it's it really just sh- kind of shows a level of engagement when the brand hits hits the retail shelf. Yeah, I hear that it it um, you're looking for a partner. You're wanting a brand to show up as an engaged partner in this in this relationship. Yeah, mm, it's great. All right, last question for you, Joyce. Where can people? find you where can people find um your markets online or websites like how can people stay in touch yeah so um you know worldfoodsportland.com we are um world foods google it we're out we're in there um and you know we have yeah we have our locations listed and right. the family is present and we so if anyone wants to pop in and say hi you know we'd be happy to chat um yeah and we'll see you at the Mercantile too, right? And we will be there. We will be there with a fun group ready to find the next cool new product. Awesome. Joyce, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for sharing the behind the scenes of the decision makers as you as you walk those trade show floors. Um, I'm really happy that we, we got the time to connect. Thanks, Allie. It was a pleasure. And thank you guys, my whizzes, my listeners. I hope that this episode was helpful for you to hear all of these things directly, like I said, from the decision maker on the retail level so that you can think about adjusting for the future and thinking through an upcoming trade show strategy, whether that is at the Good Food Mercantile or another trade event this year. Again, a big thank you to Joyce for joining us as well. You can find more information about the three um, the three places in the family of businesses in our show notes. And if you see her at the Mercantile, please mention that you heard her on the podcast. From here, 
let's continue the conversation. Join me on Instagram. I'm at It's Allie Ball or find me on LinkedIn. Find our Food Biz Whiz Facebook group in our show notes. And I would love to hear what you thought about today's show and which strategies you are going to put in place next. Thank you for listening and see you right back here next week. Thanks for listening to Food Biz Whiz. If you're enjoying this podcast and the tools it gives you for growing your packaged product business, please subscribe so you never miss an episode. From one small business owner to another, I am deeply grateful for your support of this podcast, and I appreciate it when you share it with your fellow food founders, share it on social media, or leave me a review on your listening platform. Ready for more? Find out how we can work together at foodbizwiz.com. I'll see you right back here next week.